0: This show is brought to you by Earpeeler.com.
1: What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Okay, what's up, everybody? This is Ross the Boss.
2: Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints,
1: and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. Of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Winnorp of Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks.
0: Hey, what's happening? This is
1: Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig.
2: Hey, all here's Andreas Pizzer from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Turn it
3: up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
0: Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attacks. Stay metal. 35 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And after, poof, quite a few months away, the episode 134 was April 13th. Um, that is before the collective shit hit the fan, uh, with our servers. Servers which included not only Mars Attacks, but, um. Uh, some of my other sites, including uh, Galaxy of Geeks, where I have the Galaxy of Geeks podcast, and Earpeeler, where I have that podcast hosted. Uh, this is around the time that there were some flash floods in the Houston area. I had switched over to a new hosting company by the name of HostGator. HostGator is the worst hosting company you could possibly have okay zero tech support they have these great commercials that they've spent all this time on with this um, alligator doing karate and all this and supposed to be like some emo kid in their basement saying hey man I don't care about your problems that's actually how I was treated with them so they suck (laughs) I definitely do not recommend you using them um after exchanging close to a hundred messages with them spending countless hours on the phone with them i basically had to switch to another hosting company so i basically switched uh, i switched servers four times in two months and hosting companies three times so not fun um so, basically, I'm at a point where everything knock on wood <laughs> where everything seems to be running the way that it should um I mean there's always room for improvement, but everything seems to be stable right now. I hope I'm not jinxing myself, but I've been spending hours upon hours upon hours um trying to get ear peeler for example um working and at a level where I want it to be um I'm updating the site several times a day. Uh, the mission statement per se is still the same. I mean, the idea isn't to compete with Brave Words or Blabbermouth or, or anyone like that. The idea is that you guys come over and check peeler out as well as those other sites. I mean, um, who would I be kidding to say that I could compete with them? Um would be lovely if I could, but the reality is um, they've, they're they so far ahead of the game right now, and I'm trying to create my own niche here. So uh, I've had people contact me saying, hey, you know, I like music-based podcasts. Where can I check those out? Go to Earpeeler. Uh, go to – there's a category drop-down on the right-hand side, and you can uh, go on music-based and you'll find music-based podcasts. Um, if you want print interviews, click on that. Uh, if you want to watch uh, lessons or playthroughs, we have that. If you want to check out gear, we have links to that as well. Um, if you're searching interviews by a, a specific artist, you know, there's um, – I don't know, Max Cavalera does an interview, Uh, you've missed out on it, and you want to find out, you know, you want to listen to one of his interviews, well, if you type his name in the search, you'll see all of the interviews that we have listed on the site, so you can search that way. If you're into a specific show, or somebody's recommended a show to you, and for whatever reason, you're at work, you can't download the episode, um... But you can call it up on a website, call up Find a show that you might be interested in there. Uh, check out our recommendations at the bottom of each episode or each post, I should say. And you'll find all types of other cool stuff. Uh, I've been turned on to a lot of really neat um, shows as a result. Um, I can honestly say that I've been talking to and And I don't want to be a big name dropper here, but I can honestly say that I'm talking to um Chris from the classic metal show as a result of posting uh, episodes of theirs on Ear peeler, and they've been pretty gracious to me, and we've talked about various different topics that uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know that we have common thoughts on on a bunch of different things that um uh, like artists with youtube and you know uh, there was a whole thing with spotify while uh, the show was dormant there where you know artists are bitching about what they're getting paid via spotify but i mean let's be honest these artists can also cut deals directly with spotify a lot of the times it's just that people don't want to go through the process or they have someone else handle this stuff for them. And maybe the, the default amount of money that that label has set up with Spotify isn't going to benefit the artist. So the label still gets paid. Spotify is still paying them, but what trickles down in the end down to the artist isn't what the artist is expecting. So, I mean, i In quite honesty, or to be quite honest, I should say, I don't understand why more groups aren't um, doing direct deals with Spotify uh, because that stuff is available, you know, for the digital distribution of, of albums. So, and I mean, look into things. Don't believe a lot of this shit or hype that some of these people say because a lot of them are just saying it. Due to the fact that an album is being released. So, I mean, oh, YouTube sucks. They they treat us like slaves. Okay, well then why don't you go to the company that actually distributes your digital rights. Go to your record label and find out, you know, hey, why am I only getting paid this uh, from YouTube when I'm seeing that my video is getting X amount of plays. You know, uh, we can get into YouTube being, you know, probably the single biggest thing to affect the concert going industry. I mean, that's that's something that we could discuss for hours on end. Um, But as far as artists not getting paid because of YouTube, I mean, I, I think a lot of times the artists are not informed. And they they need to really find out what's going on behind the scenes. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that you know they they again would rather have somebody else handle that for them. And unfortunately, not all of those people are looking out for the artist's best interest. So, so there you go. It's it's unfortunate, but it is true. So. Um, anyway, what else? Well, I was speaking about, um, Ear Peeler there was speaking about the classic metal show. Uh, if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, I had talked on and off about being bummed out about how things ended up between, um, talking metal and myself. Um, and I... I'm pleased to say that we straightened everything out. Um, Mark Striegel did contact me, and uh, we've been able to. I, I pretty much was able to put put out, the, you know, on the table everything that all the issues that I had. Um, we discussed them, and you know that that's all behind. <laughs> um, for better or worse, you know. I've said this a million times. Mark is the reason that I started the podcast. Um, He's the one that gave me that initial push. And shit, you know, again, similar to what I said with Brave Words and Blabbermouth. I mean, I'd love to be at their level. But fact of the matter is, Mars Attacks is what it is. And, you know, with these stops and starts that I've had, I'm grateful for all of you guys that continue to listen that continue to subscribe you know I really really appreciate it and um, you know uh, can do nothing but praise those that that still again subscribe via iTunes or maybe have uh, you know we're on Android and subscribe another way uh, we've updated different things on the site We are now available on the Google Play Store like a lot of other podcasts. Um, We have all these great links to where the show is available, um, whether that's, again, Google Play, whether that's iTunes, whether that's our RSS feed, whether you want to hook up with us via Facebook, Twitter, G+, Tumblr, so on and so forth. Just go to the top or bottom Of the Mars Attack site. Or any of the posts. You'll find that stuff there. Um, Also. Help the show out. Help support us. We do have a donate button. If you want to click there. And donate something. That's awesome. If you would rather purchase something. Via the ads that we have on the site. I encourage you to do so. You don't pay anything additional. For buying anything. Whether that's from Amazon. Whether that's from any of the other, uh, advertisers that we have up here on the site. Um, you don't pay anything else, but we get a small kickback and, uh, we are in the process of setting up a merch store. There is a merch store for ear peeler. If you want to check that out, cool. Um, there are links over there on earpeeler.com for that. Um, Just know that for everything that we have, whether that's t-shirts, whether that's sweatshirts, um, whether that's mugs, so on and so forth, all that stuff is, I mean, we're sort of at the mercy of the company that I'm working with to sell that merch. Um, To be quite honest with you, there isn't one item that, that we're making more than A dollar and something on so uh, I've tried to keep things as economical as possible because obviously more people will buy that way Um, but the system is obviously set up to sell in mass quantities so if you guys want to help support this show, this show, help support Ear Peel or anything else that I do um, check out the merch stores that will be set up shortly. Also, I wanted to address the fact that the last time we did the show, (laughs) we were still part of the Blast Syndicate, and the Blast Syndicate is unfortunately no more. Um, Like everything else, this all takes up time, and the Blast Syndicate was something that myself and Rock from uh, Radioactive Metal had started up. And unfortunately, due to lack of time, due to lack of traffic as well uh, to the site, we just decided to um, to pull the plug on the site. Man, I, I love all the shows that were there and love, you know, um, the the other shows. We have a history with a lot of the other shows that were on there. It's unfortunate that that's what took place, but it's, it's just the reality of it's just the reality of how things are I had an uh, anthrax um, lyric in my head there it's just the nature of the ways thing it's just the nature of the way things work <laughs> so um and and that's completely the truth unfortunately you know I've been part of I was part of cast iron ring I was part of talking metal digital and blast syndicate and unfortunately, it came to an end. All of these different opportunities came to an end and, and it is what it is. Um, I do have other things going on that hopefully once, you know, uh, well, again, I'm recording this episode because I have a lot of things that I've been able to uh, check off the list of things to do per se. And there are two other podcasts that I have in the works that should be coming out shortly. I don't want to jinx myself. I have a bunch of episodes recorded, but until I have a few more, I don't want to release them because uh, just because of just the nature of everything with how uh, things just get really busy and I don't want to have these long hiatuses and not being able to you know, pull everything off. I want to do justice to all these things, so I'd rather not release anything until I have X amount of episodes done and I can move forward from there. I also want to thank my good friend, Chris Vaglio, who does Galaxy of Geeks podcast with me. If you haven't checked that out, uh, the latest episode was just posted a little earlier today. And uh, that's basically about us discussing the Netflix series, Stranger Things and Suicide Squad. And I need to thank Chris, because if it wasn't for Chris, that podcast would not be available. Um when I pitched the idea to him it was almost like me saying hey you know do you want to do a podcast with you know some of your friends and he basically said yeah let's do a podcast <laughs> and me thinking i've got all these things on my plate how can i do another podcast so we we work things out and he handles all of the editing and the majority of the posting of of the episodes unfortunately the the way that our servers are set up now, it's a bit wonky uh, with a bit of how the FTP is handled. And as a result, there's still a bunch of things we have to work out on, on that end. But that's neither here nor there. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, I, I want to thank Chris for just being so great um, for handling all that stuff with, with that show. If, if if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be getting Galaxy of Geeks episodes all the time. And and that's the difference between me being able to do this and being able to do that. So um, hopefully with this episode, we'll be able to kickstart and do a lot of things that we've wanted to do and, and haven't been able to do in, in quite some time. So there you go. So down to these interviews. Okay, so what we have today is an interview with Doyle from the Misfits. We can say that again because, obviously, news broke a little while back that Doyle, Jerry Only, Glenn Danzig, and a mystery drummer will be playing um, at some festival gigs. And it's sort of up in the air if it will go beyond that, but uh, being somebody that was in a Misfits tribute band, as a drummer, this is so damn cool Um, I love all eras of the band there are things that I can pick out from you know from the Graves era from the you know even the Devil's Rain album there are a lot of tracks off of that that I really enjoy Uh, but for a lot of people the Glendanzig era is their favorite era Um, so they will be doing some shows now the drummer's a mystery Joel Gostin, who I've had on the show a few times, um, who has a connection to the Misfits. He was the sort of their drummer that they that was practicing with them while Chud was handling a bunch of other things for the band. And um we talked back and forth. Who do you think the drummer's gonna be? And we both said Dave Lombardo. And lo and behold, there's a picture of that was released with Dave Lombardo and Jerry Only sitting together. Um, that was taken not that long ago. So, hmm, is is it a possibility that Dave Lombardo is, is the drummer? So we shall see shortly. So there's a quick interview with um, Doyle. And we also have Toxic, the thrash band from New York. Now, I want to explain this. Um, both of these episodes, or both of these interviews, excuse me, were recorded last year. Uh, They were recorded late summer, early fall. I've talked about this before. I have a bunch of interviews that I conducted. One, I did the Classic Album Series last year. I got in way over my head, and I have all this extra material. Or not extra material. It was material that I intended on releasing, but with the advent of Ear Peeler and everything else going on, it was just impossible to release and I've gone back and forth, should I release it? Should I not release it? And there's some cool conversations I think with with different people um some of the the topics that we have discussed or some of the things that come up may have changed you know since then as a result, and I apologize for not getting this out sooner. I apologize to the bands and to people that are listening to these, but as a sort of historical piece, I want to release these interviews so um, we're gonna start off with with the Doyle and with the toxic interviews and hopefully you guys dig them and and we'll have more of them um, I also want to touch upon an email that was sent to me this was from Andrew Chick who has played with a bunch of different bands he actually wrote me again last episode, that was posted was back in April he wrote me on April 17th which is actually my brother's birthday so I want to read this email and I want to thank Andrew for writing and his email basically is just sending out a big big thank you for your show you inspired me to get back into playing and recording rock and metal music I downloaded about six of your first shows around five years ago and played them when I was on holiday. And that, that gave me the, the bug to get back into recording. So as soon as I returned home, I started to buy bits of recording gear. I would save all of your shows on my mp3 player and keep them till I went on holidays my favorites were the classic albums ones. I can't wait till I go on holiday this year because I have nine new classic albums podcast to hear. Okay, so after the first inspiration from you five years ago, I have finished three albums. And last year, got a recording deal with Escape Records and released my first album with old mate from 80s rock band shy and after hours and in march i released a thrash metal and have a new album coming out in august all of this would not happen if i hadn't played those first shows first shows of yours so again big big thank you and it's signed andrew chick uh andrew again thanks this this email really blew me away um, when I received it and I haven't forgot about it, <laughs> I have it, you know, checked off so that I would read it on the next episode that I did. And thanks. Uh, I, I Again, I appreciate it. That's like the best thing I can hear from anyone. Um, you know, hearing that I inspired them to get back into doing music, that's awesome. You know, I'm a music fan and those classic albums episodes especially – is just you know is a thank you to a lot of bands that have influenced us and put out some great great albums you know Um, it isn't really much more beyond that and I'm grateful that other people feel the same way and want to come on and talk about those albums that I've selected as well Uh, the series won't return until probably the beginning of next year I'm Starting to set things up now. It is a very big ordeal to set these various interviews up and edit them. And I'm going to start scheduling things next month. And hopefully we'll release the very next episode in the series in January of 2017. We'll keep our fingers crossed for that. So there you go. Um, The very last thing before we jump into some music here, is that our friends from White Wizard are doing a campaign uh, to help fund their upcoming album. Uh, I know that there are all these different issues that people have talked about in the past uh, with them and and crowdfunding, but, you know, uh, listen, these these guys are friends – They've been nothing but great to us. I can't say anything bad about any member of White Wizard because all of them have been so great over the years. And even, you know, people have said things about John Leon, and I haven't seen that stuff, you know. And as James J. LaRue, who's their current guitarist, has said similar comments. He's he's returned to the fold. They're going to be playing a show uh, shortly with the classic um, GTO lineup, and he's he's said it. You know that's you know what I what he's focused on is the current lineup. The current lineup after these shows will have um, Wyatt Screaming Demon Anderson on the. The show on, excuse me, the album that they're trying to crowdfund, which is Infernal Overdrive. You can check that out uh, over at Kickstarter. We will have links to that in the show notes. Continuing things from the White Wizard family, uh, Giovanni Durst, who has his own band called Omichita, sent me a track back in June. Uh, I've been promising to have this track included. Um, as as soon as we did a new episode and the name of the track is state of terror and he sent this off he sent this to me and asked that I include it in an episode so here we go more than 2 months later i'm keeping up with my end of the bargain per se so uh there you go the track is once again called omichita this is I'm sorry, the band is Omichita, the track is State of Terror, so let's check this track out. Omichida with State of Terror you can check them out on Facebook Omichida Official and also on Twitter it is the same exact thing Omichida Official and Omichida is spelled O-M-I-C-I-D-A we'll have links to that in the show notes so there you go Um, up next we have the title track to the Danzig the Dantic shit. The Doyle solo album, Abominator. And after that, we will get into the interview with Doyle. Yeah! You've obviously been part of various lineups of the Misfits, the classic lineup per se, the resurrected lineup in the 90s, and there's obviously your brother still going around with a formation of the band now. Why do you think the band still has fans all these years later, and does it bother you that there are people that like different you know, uh, variations of the band?
1: I don't care. I mean, uh, music's a matter of taste and opinion, you know? It's just like...
0: Whatever you like,
1: that's what's cool, you know. I try to explain that to my daughter, you know. And I tell her, you know, if you're into something, if everybody else don't think it's cool and you do, then it's cool. You what know? the fuck do they know? Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> Getting on to what you're doing now. Obviously, it's under your name, under the, the Doyle brand, per se. Um, how different is it for you as opposed to being a part of Misfits or Gorgeous Frankenstein? To have your name there, do you feel any extra pressure, per se, to to hold up to your name or, or anything along those lines?
1: No, I do what I do. I always do what I do. I'm going to do a show with this thing called The Metal Allegiance uh, in two days with Elisa Weikloss. We're going to do some songs with these guys. You know, you got an anthrax guy in there and some guys from uh, Megadeth and uh, Testament and... I forget who else, but uh, I just do what I do. You know, I don't have any pressure. Uh, actually, my singer Alex Story named the band Doyle. I didn't. Well, it's pretty much mine and his band, because I just write and arrange music, and he writes the song. You know what I mean? So, it was just the smartest thing to do. We take the most popular word affiliated with either one of us and put it as the name can't make people guess because nobody knew I even had a band, Look Gorgeous Frankenstein, and I'm still having a problem relaying the message to all the Misfits fans that I have a band named Doyle. I've hit about 5% of the people. They really don't know. I don't have the money because I am the label, you know, and I don't have the money for the promotion. So this next record that we're going to be putting out next year, we're probably going to put it out with a major Distribution from a major label so we can get the big festival shows and we can have it in all the stores where it's supposed to be and get press and all the bullshit we need. Just enlighten people. I mean, once we, uh you know, do a Misfits reunion, this thing should blow the fuck up.
0: As far as the material on Abominator, obviously, as you already mentioned, it's probably the heaviest thing you've ever recorded. I mean, in hindsight, Seeing what you did during the nineties with the misfits, you can obviously tell your direct influence and and your writing style you're you're continuously saying that you just do what you do. all these riffs I take it just come organically to you, and you just go with whatever pops in your mind
1: basically, yeah, whatever i you know whatever is comfortable for my hand to play, whatever I come up with is what i use and if i like it i like it if if i don't like it i don't use it if it's too hard to play i don't use it you know if i write something that's super hard i'm just like you know what fuck that that's too much
0: was recently announced that you're going to be doing a bunch of shows with john five on the west coast uh when it comes time for you to put a set list together are you focusing just on the doyle material or are you mixing in stuff from throughout your uh, career
1: Um, I let my singer pick the uh, set list. I just tell him, you know, I want to open with Abominator. And whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do, that's what we'll do. I said, you pick the songs we'll do. We want to do a Cancer Slug song. Let's do this one. I like this one. And that's what we do, you know. Uh, We do the whole Doyle album. That's the rule. And that's it.
0: And as far as the the next album is concerned, you just mentioned that it will be out next year. Um, At what stages... Is the album. Are you Have you already started recording it? Are you looking to record it's,
1: it? It's it's totally recorded. Uh, we're going to do the vocals over and mix it and title it and do the artwork, and it's done.
0: Okay. Do you have any timetable when you'd like to have it released, or is that just all up to finding the right label to put the album out?
1: Um, We're going to put it out regardless, probably... Maybe be April or something. We're going to go mix it in December, January area, probably January and um you know, we got to figure out what we want to call it, what what the title's going to be, you know.
0: Yeah, that's about it. Okay. And is there anything different people can expect on that album as opposed to Abominator?
1: Uh, there's different songs than Abominator on
0: there. (laughs)
1: That's what you can expect. (laughs) It was all recorded at the same time. You know, all the guitars and bass and vocals and, uh, the drums we had to do over because we got a new drummer and we're probably going to do the Abominator record over with the drums and repackage it and see if the label wants that as well as a bonus, you know, and, um. yeah, the only thing that sucks about it is we don't have a full band yet. We just have a drummer who's in the band and uh, the bass player I haven't met yet. We're going gonna, gonna to meet him on the first day of rehearsal for this tour coming up. And uh, that's what we're looking for is to get a, everybody who wants to be in the band that is in the band because I haven't wanted to take any pictures with the people who were in the band touring because they're not in the band. You know what right. I mean? I'm looking for guys. I'm looking for the guy or the girl. I think a girl-based player. It doesn't matter to me.
0: A little while ago, you were involved in wrestling. You were part of WCW with uh, some stuff that they had going on there where they had you guys hooking up with Vampiro. Is there anything that you remember about that specific experience that you can share?
1: Yeah, wrestling's real. That's what I come together (laughs) that shit's really happening whatever you see is happening is really happening you know the only thing is it's uh predetermined who the winner is but it's uh really happening the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists And the podcasts or interviews where they appear go to earfeeler.com to find out what we're all about this is doyle wolfgang von frankenstein of doyle and you are listening to mars attacks
0: Last of kids, in. touch it, see it. Ah! Alright, so there you go, a little Doyle, and actually I should say a little Misfits. Uh, That is the classic track Green Hell coming off of Earth AD. If you want to hear more of my conversation with Doyle, again it was for the classic album series, uh, discussing the album Earth AD. The episode is 127. Uh, check that out if you are a fan of the band or a fan of his. So, uh, Up next is an interview with, and again, like I said, these are sort of interviews revisited from the archives per se. Uh, this is with the band Toxic. And at the time, I spoke to uh, Bill and Josh from Toxic, and from what I'm seeing, <laughs> the only official member of the band is currently Josh Christian. So um, I'm not sure what went down. Maybe in the future we'll be able to talk to Josh to discuss exactly what took place. But um, let's just uh, let's jump right into the interview with Bill and Josh. From the Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie, no, I always say that wrong, I said Poughkeepsie when I spoke to them, they're from Peekskill, Uh, being the wrestling fan that I am, uh, I always remember growing up in the New Jersey area and hearing at the Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York, so that's why I keep saying Poughkeepsie, they're from Peekskill, New York, so let's check out the interview with Bill and Josh. So through this album's list, um, we've been talking about various bands, and a few of them are from the, the general area, from the New York City area and the surrounding areas. Obviously, Twisted Sister coming from Long Island and such. How much of an impact did these, band, these bands excuse me, have on you guys? Uh, these are any band from the area to actually want to pick up an instrument and want to play
2: well for me kiss is what put a guitar in my hand i was playing listen i was playing me and and a million other kids around the planet i was playing my tennis racket before i ever picked up the guitar to kiss songs um so there's one and they're from new york too twisted sisters from new york anthrax is from new york um, Overkill is Jersey, but more or less, you know, a lot of that is East Coast. Oddly enough, there are a lot of East Coast records in this list and East Coast bands. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of them. Uh, Kiss and for me personally, again, Josh, uh, Kiss and Twisted Sister both were instrumental. Kiss from the music standpoint and from the, you know, grabbing me as a little guy, at 11 years old, 12 years old, you know, stars in my eyes. This is what I want to do. And then the next stage, Twisted Sister, when I was old up and actually able to go see music for myself, um, Twisted Sister was a huge influence on me because they were so sick live. They were just incredible, you know, arguably one of the greatest like bar bands to go see Twisted in the small bar, just an unbelievable thing. And for me at 16 years old blew my mind, you know, um, and then Anthrax comes along and overkill in those bands and that was yet another step in the in the generation right so we're talking you know seventy seventy five 75 to 83 84 to 88 89 90 um so there was like that you're leaping through those years and anthrax of course was a huge influence on toxic um we were part of that sweep that went on once anthrax got signed and metallica got signed to a larger label all of the indies wanted to scoop up thrash bands. It, it, it became hot. So it, it, all of these groups, a lot of these groups had big influence on me personally and, and my band. Absolutely.
3: Yeah, Overkill had a big influence on me because I was, any any show or any Overkill show that was in this area, I was at it. And uh, me and my friends, we all would go there and, and, you know, romp around in the crowd and mush and, and you know, have uh-huh. a, a great time watching them play. Like I said, they, they they really brought a good show. Um, the Blitz just had awesome frontman presence. Um, all those guys had great attitudes. Um, DJ Barney, again. Like I said, his his bass tone that just that, that's like one of the the uh, standout bass tones uh, of my growing up and development as a bass player. I, I absolutely loved it, and I sought it after it, and tried to recreate it, and bought gear and and everything that would help me, like, try to get that, that, um, cut-through, cannery kind of bass tone because I loved it so much. It's an
0: awesome band. Do you feel that you've ever been able to perfect the DD sound?
3: Oh, yeah, I got it. <laughs> I don't use it anymore, but I, I definitely had it. Um, I, I, I have, uh, some other bands that I was in beforehand, um, where I have some recordings, and, and you can definitely hear that, uh, I had that kind of
0: bass tone. Okay. And obviously Poughkeepsie, where you guys originally started from, is roughly an hour outside of New York. Um, What did the circuit consist of when you guys first started? Did you guys head all the way down to the city to do shows? Um, Was Connecticut a factor since that was relatively close as well?
2: Yeah. Well, i I actually, we weren't from Poughkeepsie. That was further up. We were, um, we practiced at my mom and dad's house down in Peekskill. Um, so we were actually in Westchester uh, and, um, I'm from the city. I I was actually, that's where I was born and spent the first, you know, 10 years of my life. So we, um, we were kind of in a way in the early incarnations of of a a New York city band. We hung out down there a lot. Um, we played shows down there all the time. We were, in the city a lot. We were in the city a lot more than we were in Westchester. Um, there wasn't much of a circuit back in those days, to be honest with you, man. You know, you, you, not, not that there is now, but there really was not that actually worse in terms of places to play. It was very, very slim. Uh, for the kind of music that Toxic did, because Toxic wasn't mainstream. We were definitely on the heavier side before it didn't sort of pop. Uh, it was hard for us to get kids. Um, so we played a lot in the city. Um, We played some Long Island shows, some Jersey shows. Uh, We had some good support from WSOU, uh, the metal station there, and Matt, uh, Midnight Metal with Matt O'Shaughnessy in in Rockland County or uh, um, uh, down lower Westchester County, excuse me. We used to play. There was a club called Streets in New Rochelle, which was pretty hot, which, you know, was a good regular venue for us. But, again, uh, there was a spot over in Rockland called Manhattan's. But I I can count on both hands. The, the total number of places for us to play in those days. Um, so, yeah, the, yeah, I hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah, I, I apologize. Growing up in, in northern New Jersey, and for some reason, I, I got Poughkeepsie and Peekskill mixed mixed up. They both start with P's. Oh, no, that's they're okay. po- <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. They're about 45 minutes apart. It's not that far up north.
0: Yeah, okay. Um Did you get to play, you you mentioned some of the more legendary clubs as well, like Lemores and and things of that nature. Did you ever get to play the original Lemores back in the day?
2: We did. We played Lemores. We played the Rising Sun. We played the original Ritz. uh, We played all of those places, actually.
0: We're talking about the history of the band here. The band obviously has had a few different stops and starts over the years. How challenging (laughs) has it been to get the wheels moving again? Well,
2: I, I guess I'll answer that. Um, in a way, it's it's easier now, I think, because life is less. I don't know. I want to say life is less cluttered, and yet I feel like I'm busier than ever. But I don't know. It's easy, it seems easier in a way to do it now. I guess when you're younger and you have, it's a it's a there's more pressure. There was a, for at least for me personally. I felt like there was more pressure back then to be just right and just so, and you and you, you're you're pretty you're pretty harsh on yourself at that age. Um, and I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's a function of age. And when you get older, uh, you realize that it, it's not that the gig is any less important, but that you know there are other gigs. They'll you know, and and you get a better sense of perspective. You get a better perspective. I think across. You know, just the spectrum of life, right? You just become a little bit more mature, and with that maturity, um, the ups and downs are less intense than they are when you're when you're young. You're you're living and dying on every happening. It's pretty tough. Um, I feel a lot easier about it now. uh, As far as the business goes, it there's no money in it now at all. You're not making, you're not here for money. You're doing it because you love it. And and you you know, you get paid just enough to make it happen, but you're not getting rich off of it. When we were kids, there was a potential to hit it big. And maybe that's a factor too. You know, it's not, you don't have the same degree of intensity about it because you're not shooting for the same kind of goal. Now it's really more about the music, which in a way is kind of cool because it's a little more pure. I think we're, Less, less chasing a block, and more about just bringing it out. You know,
0: how much did the reissues of of your first two albums have to do with getting the band back together? N- really, none at all. They, okay,
2: none at all. They they put the records out. No, se- the reissues came out in 07 and '08, and we had done a. Uh, we had interest. Uh, a guy wanted to do a documentary on us. Um, that was sort of hot right at that time, and. Uh, that sort of pulled us together back in '07 for um, six months and it just wasn't time. It didn't come together. The energy wasn't good. It just, it just didn't work. Um, this last get together is different. Um, we got together for the right reason. There's, there's songs behind it. Instead of, you know, trying to adapt a media thing where we actually have an album and we're, we're a real band now, whereas we were putting it together for the documentary now we're really back together as a unit. And when we play together, when we practice together, when we gig together, you know, we're a real, live-functioning band. We're not, you know, a, a TV creation. Um,
3: yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Yeah, really it? what brought it back was, was uh, a lot of people interest in the band. Um, there's there's uh, a lot of people buzzing around on the Internet and stuff um, looking for Toxic to get back together, if I understand that correctly, Josh.
2: Yeah, no, there there is. There was a lot of uh, of email, and, and in fact, I don't think any of us knew that there was sort of this cultish kind of acceptance of the band out there until until social media brought it to our attention. You know, via Space and then Facebook. Uh, that's when it, it kind of crystallized. It was like, wow, oh, you know, we there are people waiting to hear this stuff.
0: so Bill, how did you get involved with Toxic? You came aboard with the last sort of. Um, emergence of the band. Did you know the band uh, before joining them? Were you a fan of the band before joining
3: um uh, Honestly, no. I did not know about the band at all. Um, and um, the way I got in touch with Josh was a, a, a mutual friend um, whose name is Josh. <laughs> Uh, he uh, told me, hey, you know, there's this guy looking for a bass player and I think that the music is right up your alley. Um, I'm going to give you his number and you should give him a call and, and uh, um, see what's up about it. I, mean, I really think that, you know, this is, this is going to be something that you're going to be interested in. And uh, so I, I took the number and I uh, gave him a call and just uh, talked with Josh and got together and a little bit and stuff and, uh, uh, one thing led to another.
0: Okay. And one of the things that you guys have been touching upon is how important social media and the internet has been to sort of, you know, re- get the band back out there. Uh, you got to see people's interest in the band. Um, how important is the internet for Toxic outside of social media? Do you see other avenues like streaming? Uh, working in your favor, um, things like YouTube, you just said that you, you guys shot a video, uh, being able to get videos out there without needing you know, a, a big outlet like MTV or, or things of that nature. Um, how much of an impact is the internet ultimately on you guys?
3: I would say it's a huge impact, but that's—I think it's a huge impact for, for any band. It's it's an absolute fantastic tool for for us to use to get uh, information, get media out to our fans, uh, the people who are hungry for it, and, uh, you know, deliver stuff pretty much as as direct as you possibly can to to anyone who wants to get into uh, the toxic material and stuff.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I'll, I'll echo what Bill said, but I would, I would add um, that it's kind of a two-edged sword, though, too, because it's, you've got an overabundance now. Um, it, and it is, it, of course, like again, what Bill just said, everybody relies on it now completely. We all do for everything. It's not just music. It's just life in general. Uh, I think pretty much people go to Google now for, you know, almost anything they might have gone to another resource or or source for before. Um, So in that respect, I don't think toxic any different, but I would say that I'm not sure just, you know, how good that is at the same time, because it's great to have access to your fans and for them to have access to you, but there's so much, there's such a wash of, of music. And I mean, I, I guess it's good. I I, I don't want to slag it because we are part of it, and it's just the way it is, so there's no fighting it. Um, but I do think that there's a little bit of a two-edged sword there. I think that it, it serves, but it also enders in that it's maybe just too much. Uh, there's too much competition. There's too much to listen to. There's just too much out there. Tospic is lucky in a way because we have a nostalgic base. We were around long before this happened, and so we actually are in a really good good position to benefit from it but if i was a starting band now if we were if toxic was beginning now i don't know I, I don't know what i think about the internet in terms of like what it's offering people versus what it takes from
0: them you know okay and um you guys are in the process of recording an album that's slated to come out next year uh called inhumanity is there anything you can tell us about the album at this point?
3: Yeah, we're we're working on the album. Um it is pretty killer material. Uh I have to say it, it's um going to be in your face and it, it uh it it's it's going to be a little bit newer um more a little bit more more modern topic because uh you know, everybody evolves and changes. Um, it's not going to be um, your classic thrash metal album um, sound, uh, but it's going to have elements of it, and uh, I think that it's going to make people very happy. Um, it, it's powerful. It's it's um, in your face. It's, it's got some technicality to it that uh, Toxic is known for, and uh, I think people are really going to dig it.
2: We, we hope so. We hope um, as far as logistics, um, yeah, 2016 at this point, we are really hoping it may come out. It may still come out in 15. We're going to try like Al to get it out this year uh, that we really would like to, if we can, I know it's getting on in the year and we've got a tour coming up, which is sort of disrupting that, but um, we're going to make a real push. In fact, Billy and I have been talking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks. When we get back from the Latin American tour, we're going to make a real push and try to finish it up here and get it out uh, as quickly as possible. So maybe, maybe it'll be a 2015, not a 2016 release. And as Bill said, it's definitely old toxic, but modernized, updated, definitely more intense, more angsty. It's, it's pretty punishing. It's a heavy record. I I hope that people get it. I, I think because we're older and we've been around as long as we have, at least for me, I was almost in a way sort of predicting that people would expect a drop off in energy, a drop off in intensity. And I was almost sort of like with the writing determined not to let that happen. So I pushed really hard. Um, The band is awesome. I'm super, super lucky to have the people that are in the band at this point. Mike sounds great. Mike's voice has held up amazingly well. I think he's going to sound better on this record than he did on, on the older stuff. He's matured. He's still got the ability to hit the high highs but he's got a lot more body to his voice, and he's just really, really on point at this time. Um, Bill's a great bass player. He brings a lot to the band. He's got great chops. He's just a rocking guy. Um, Good ideas. Again, he and I work really well together. There's a a terrific camaraderie going on there. Okay, so Jason Vittner is going to be playing on probably half the record. I think there's 11 or 12 tracks total. Uh, Jason is, I don't have the song list in front of me, but... Um, so Jason will be on there. Jason Bittner will be playing on there. And then Charlie Delaney, who is from Blotted Science, Whiplash, um, a lot of other projects, too. Just uh, You can look him up. Uh, he, he runs a... I'm trying to get him. Yeah, a YouTube page for Drummer Um So, yeah, Charlie's going to be, there, gonna be playing drums. And, I, I, when, I, again, I feel very lucky to have the musicians on this record that we do and I think it's going to be a really killer third installment. And it's sort of odd, right, you know, because it's been 20-plus-plus plus years. It's almost 30 years um, since we put out World Circus. So it's, a, it's really like a long delay between a second and third album. But you know what? I, I got to tell you, I really think it hits the mark. Uh, at least I hope it does um, for everyone else. It does for me personally. I love the material, and I love the band, uh, and I think people are going to like it. I think people are going to really get their asses kicked by it. It's intense.
0: You guys had the album, or from what I've read online, anyway, that it was certain songs were being mixed and mastered at Morrison Sound, which is known for very heavy and punishing albums. Uh, why did you guys choose to work with that specific studio?
2: Well, we the first two Toxic records were recorded at Morrison Sound, and Tom Morris is a good friend of the band, um, and we needed we needed those mixed at that time for shopping them. Uh, And he did three of the songs or four songs for us. I don't know uh, if the final record will actually be mixed with more sound or not. That's up in the air right now. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out. So um, right now I I wouldn't say that that's a shoe in, but he has done some of the preliminary uh, mixing for us and helped us, you know, get the demos together for the shop and so forth. Um, And yeah, he's, you know, more sound rocks, man. That's a, that's a, you know, an institution.
0: Another thing that, that has always stood out by the band has been the album covers. Uh, have you already started working up ideas for the album cover? Is it done? What can people expect?
2: We have some tentative art that we use, uh, and we've been using, and it may in fact end up being the album cover. Again, right now, because it's the, the, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the record has been sort of coming out for two and a half years. It's been a, a really long process or even longer now, because, I mean, you know, we're we're getting into the fall of, of 15. So it's been like an almost three-year-long process getting this done. So the band had to reform. We had to congeal. We we went out. We toured a bunch. We've been to Europe. We're going to Latin America. We're a unit now. We're more of a band. And in a way, I'm sort of glad that the album is coming out now that we are a band. Instead of putting out the band the album and then building the band around the album, which a lot of comeback bands do, Um, This record will, in fact, be a band that is already a real band, has had a few years under its belt. We're out there playing together, and it makes a difference. It's going to make a big difference on the way the record sounds. So that original art that we had three years ago may or may not make it. It may or may not be the final track. I'm not sure right now. We just were talking about this the other day, in fact. Um, So that's sort of up in the air, too. Um, But you can see the tentative cover. It's on the YouTube videos that are out there for songs like Too Late and Crooked Crosses, um the Inhumanities baby the baby, we call it the baby cover, is on those videos and you can see the art that we've been working with so, up until that point.
0: And one of the things that um Bill mentioned a little earlier was how he purchased the album Arise based on the cover. How many people have come up over the years and mentioned to you guys that they bought those first two albums based on the covers? Lots. <laughs>
2: Yeah, a lot of people. The the album cover, especially World Circus, uh, is very really really well known. Ed Repka did an amazing job on it, and um, it is we we're lucky to have it. It's a big part of why we have the niche that we have. Just to be honest, I don't think we'd be where we are right now, we're doing what we're doing, if that record cover wasn't part of that original formula, that chemistry that that album cover brought. Because, I and I have had people tell me that they would sit and listen to the album and put the, that album cover over, or both of them, but World Circus especially, that they'd just sit and put the album cover over and over and over and over, looking at it while they listened. Um, and that's really satisfying. That's great that we have that. I'm glad we have that sort of iconic art attached to the.
0: You guys were one of the first few bands uh, I guess of notoriety that ended up getting signed by what would become Roadrunner Records. How disheartening is it or what type of feelings do you have knowing that that label was pretty much bought and sort of picked apart?
2: Well, you know, it would have been nice. I, it's, it's sorry the way the industry has gone. It hasn't been kind to the, the record labels themselves. Uh, I don't know. I could be really cynical and say they got what they deserved, like album company, you know, record labels in general. But I don't really right. feel that way anymore. There was a period where I was pretty, you know, I sort of pissed off at the way things went for Toxic, and you know, I harbored some ill will. But in in hindsight. Um, I think is as imperfect as the system was, it's better than what we have now, at least in terms of income for the musicians. As I said earlier, there's no money in this. You're doing it because you love the music. Um, and that's kind of a bummer. Uh, you know, so what roadrunner as imperfect as my relationship was with them, it's better than no relationship at all. And um I, I was I am sorry that they're gone. I'm sorry that a lot of the labels are gone. And big labels. I mean, you know, Chrysalis and Atlantic and I mean, you know, labels that we grew up with. They're all gone. And it's it's kind of sad that that happened the way it did, I think.
0: If um people want to keep up with the band, we've already touched on social media there. Where should people go on the various social media sites to find out what Toxic is up to?
3: Toxic Metal you can go to uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all with Toxic Metal, and uh, they'll take you right to um, our social media sites. And we also have ToxicMetal.com, uh, the band's official uh, website, that anyone can go and check it out and see what's going on there, too.
1: This segment is brought to you by
3: EarPeeler.com. Hey, this is Bill, and this is Josh from Toxic
2: and you're listening to Mars attack.
0: you go a little toxic with the track heart attack want to thank you guys for joining me on this episode as again i hope to be releasing episodes on a much more frequent basis Uh, thanks again for hanging in there and we will see you here on the next episode of the mars attacks podcast we will leave you with a track that toxic covered and that is anthrax's metal thrashing mad see ya